Section 2 of Great Epochs in American History, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Great Epochs in American History, Volume 3. The French War and the Revolution, 1745-1782, through 1782, by Francis Whitting Halsey. Section 2. The Albany Plan of Union for the Colonies, 1754 by Benjamin Franklin. Footnote 1. The plan, here printed, was drawn up by Franklin at the request of a committee which had been entrusted with the task. Franklin based it on an outline plan which he had drawn up some time before. The Albany Congress, to which the plan was submitted in 1754, comprised 25 delegates, representing seven of the colonies, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Virginia. Some sort of union had long been desired by the colonies, and although this attempt ended in failure, it has historic importance as the most notable attempt at federation made by the colonies before the Revolution. Franklin ascribed its failure to the fact that the Congress itself, quote, thought there was too much prerogative in it, and England thought it to have too much of the democratic, end quote. The Congress became useful, however, in familiarizing the people with the idea of union, a familiarity which helped forward in later years the movement for union of action against England. Printed in Old South Leaflets. End of footnote. It is proposed that humble application be made for an act of Parliament of Great Britain, by virtue of which one general government may be formed in America, including all the said colonies, within and under which government each colony may retain its present constitution, except in the particulars wherein a change may be directed by the said act, as hereafter follows. New Heading President-General and Grand Council Quote, That the said general government be administered by a president-general, to be appointed and supported by the crown, and a grand council, to be chosen by the representatives of the people of the several colonies met in their respective assemblies, end quote. It was thought that it would be best the president-general should be supported as well as appointed by the crown, that so all disputes between him and the Grand Council concerning his salary might be prevented, as such disputes have been frequently of mischievous consequence in particular colonies, especially in time of public danger. The quitrance of crown lands in America might in a short time be sufficient for this purpose. The choice of members for the Grand Council is placed in the House of Representatives of each government, in order to give the people a share in this new general government, as the crown has its share by the appointment of the president-general. But it being proposed by the gentlemen of the Council of New York, and some other councillors among the commissioners, to alter the plan in this particular, and to give the governors and councils of the several provinces a share in the choice of the Grand Council, or, at least, a power of approving and confirming, or of disallowing, the choice made by the House of Representatives it was said that the government or constitution proposed to be formed by the plan consists of two branches a president-general appointed by the crown and a council chosen by the people or by the people's representatives which is the same thing that by a subsequent article the council chosen by the people can effect nothing without the consent of the president-general appointed by the crown the crown possesses therefore full one-half of the power of this constitution that in the British Constitution the Crown is supposed to possess but one-third, the Lords having their share. 
that this constitution seemed rather more favorable for the crown that it is essential to english liberty that the subject should not be taxed but by his own consent or the consent of his elected representatives what taxes to be laid and levied by this proposed constitution will be proposed and agreed to by the representatives of the people if the plan in this particular be preserved but if the proposed alteration should take place it seemed as if matters may be so managed as that the crown shall finally have the appointment not only of the president-general but of the majority of the grand council for seven out of eleven governors and councils are appointed by the crown and so the people in all the colonies would in effect be taxed by their governors it was therefore apprehended that such alterations of the plan would give great dissatisfaction and that the colonies could not be easy under such a power in governors and such an infringement of what they take to be an english liberty besides the giving a share in the choice of the grand council would not be equal with respect to all the colonies as their constitutions differ in some both governor and council are appointed by the crown in others they are both appointed by the proprietors in some the people have a share in the choice of the council in others both government and council are wholly chosen by the people but the house of representatives is everywhere chosen by the people and therefore placing the right of choosing the grand council and their representatives is equal with respect to all that the grand council is intended to represent all the several houses of representatives of the colonies as a house of representatives doth the several towns or countries of a colony could all the people of a colony be consulted and unite in public measures a house of representatives would be needless and could all the assemblies conveniently consult and unite in general measures the grand council would be unnecessary that a house of commons or the house of representatives and the grand council are thus alike in their nature and intention and as it would seem improper that the king or house of lords should have a power of disallowing or appointing members of the house of commons so likewise that a governor and council appointed by the crown should have a power of disallowing or appointing members to the grand council who in this constitution are to be the representatives of the people if the governors and councils therefore were to have a share in the choice of any that are to conduct this general government it should seem more proper that they choose the president-general but this being an office of trust and importance to the nation it was thought better to be filled by the immediate appointment of the crown new heading election of members Quote, within months after the passing such act the house of representatives that happened to be sitting within that time or that shall be especially for that purpose convened may and shall choose members for the grand council in the following proportion that is to say massachusetts bay seven new hampshire two connecticut five rhode island two new york four new jersey three pennsylvania six maryland four virginia seven north carolina four south carolina four total forty-eight it was thought that if the least colony was allowed two and the others in proportion the number would be very great and the expense heavy and that less than two would not be convenient as a single person being by any accident prevented appearing at the meeting the colony he ought to appear for would not be represented that as the choice was not immediately popular they would be generally men of good abilities for business and men of reputation for integrity and that forty-eight such men might be a number sufficient but though it was thought reasonable that each colony should have a share in the representative body in some degree 
according to the proportion it contributed to the general treasury yet the proportion of wealth or power of the colonies is not to be judged by the proportion here fixed because it was at first agreed that the greatest colony should not have more than seven members nor the least less than two and the setting these proportions between these two extremes was not nicely attended to as it would find itself after the first election from the sums brought into the treasury as by subsequent article new heading place of first meeting Quote, the grand council shall meet for the first time at the city of philadelphia in pennsylvania being called by the president-general as soon as conveniently may be after his appointment End quote. philadelphia was named as being nearer the centre of the colonies where the commissioners would be well and cheaply accommodated the high roads through the whole extent are for the most part very good in which forty or fifty miles a day may very well be and frequently are travelled great part of the way may likewise be gone by water in summer time the passages are frequently performed in a week from charleston to philadelphia and new york and from rhode island to new york through the sound in two or three days and from new york to philadelphia by water and land in two days by stage boats and wheel carriages that set out every other day the journey from charleston to philadelphia may likewise be facilitated by boats running up chesapeake bay three hundred miles but if the whole journey be performed on horseback the most distant members viz the two from new hampshire and from south carolina may probably render themselves at philadelphia in fifteen or twenty days the majority may be there in much less time new heading meetings of the grand council and call Quote, the grand council shall meet once in every year and oftener if occasion require at such time and place as they shall adjourn to at the last preceding meeting or as they shall be called to meet at by the president-general on any emergency he having first obtained in writing the consent of seven of the members to such call and sent due and timely notice to the whole it was thought in establishing and governing new colonies or settlements regulating indian trade indian treaties etc there would every year sufficient business arise to require at least one meeting and at such meeting many things might be suggested for the benefit of all the colonies this annual meeting may either be at a time or a place certain to be fixed by the president-general and grand council at their first meeting or left at liberty to be at such time and place as they shall adjourn to or be called to meet at by the president-general in time of war it seems convenient the meeting should be in that colony which is nearest the seat of action the power of calling them on any emergency seems necessary to be vested in the president-general but that such power might not be wantonly used to harass the members and oblige them to make frequent long journeys to little purpose the consent of seven at least to such call was supposed a convenient guard new heading members allowance Quote, the members of the grand council shall be allowed for their service ten shillings sterling per diem during their session and journey to and from the place of meeting twenty miles to be reckoned a day's journey End quote. it was thought proper to allow some wages lest the expense might deter some suitable persons from the service and not to allow too great wages lest unsuitable persons should be tempted to cabal for the employment for the sake of gain twenty miles were set down as a day's journey to allow for accidental hindrances on the road and the greater expense of travelling than residing at the place of meeting new heading assent of the president-general the assent of the president-general shall be requisite to all acts of the grand council and it shall be his office and duty to cause them to be carried into execution End quote. 
the assent of the President-General to all acts of the Grand Council was made necessary in order to give the Crown its due share of influence in this government and connect it with that of Great Britain. The President-General, besides one half of the legislative power, hath in his hands the whole executive power. New Heading Raise Soldiers and Equip Vessels Quote, They shall raise and pay soldiers and build forts for the defense of any of the colonies, and equipped vessels of force to guard the coasts and protect the trade on the ocean, lakes, or great rivers, but they shall not impress men in any colony without the consent of the legislature. It was thought that quotas of men, to be raised and paid by the several colonies, and joined for any public service, could not always be got together with a necessary expedition. For instance, suppose 1,000 men should be wanted in New Hampshire on any emergency to fetch them by fifties and hundreds out of every colony, as far as South Carolina, would be inconvenient, the transportation chargeable, and the occasion perhaps passed before they could be assembled. And therefore, it would be best to raise them, by offering bounty money and pay, near the place where they would be wanted, to be discharged again when the service should be over. Particular colonies are at present backward to build forts at their own expense, which they say will be equally useful to their neighboring colonies, who refuse to join, on a presumption that such forts will be built and kept up, though they contribute nothing. This unjust conduct weakens the whole, but the forts being for the good of the whole, it was thought best they should be built and maintained by the whole, out of the common treasury. In the time of war, small vessels of force are sometimes necessary in the colonies to scour the coasts of small privateers. These being provided by the Union will be an advantage in turn to the colonies, which are situated on the sea, and those frontiers on the land side being covered by other colonies reap but little immediate benefit from the advanced forts. New heading. Power to make laws, lay duties, etc. Quote, For these purposes they shall have power to make laws, and lay and levy such general duties, imposts, or taxes, as to them shall appear most equal and just, considering the ability and other circumstances of the inhabitants in the several colonies and such as may be collected with the least inconvenience to the people, rather discouraging luxury than loading industry with unnecessary burdens. End quote. The laws which the President-General and Grand Council are empowered to make are such only as shall be necessary for the government of the settlements, the raising, regulating, and paying soldiers for the general service, the regulating of Indian trade, and laying and collecting the general duties and taxes, they should also have a power to restrain the exportation of provisions to the enemy from any of the colonies on particular occasions in time of war. But it is not intended that they may interfere with the constitution and government of the particular colonies, who are to be left to their own laws, and to lay, levy, and apply their own taxes as before. End of section 2